if they don't have thousands of customers, then their revenue stream is less than five million dollars. I mean, just say if they're 100, 200 bucks a user, and maybe all those all those people in that on your examples, maybe they maybe that's not the right 25 to 50 million dollar number. Maybe they have maybe they're they're a little off on that. But they, they, there's there's something there, there's a couple things about this that I mean they, there's some things that are really great, and there's a couple things that don't quite add up. Growing a business requires a holistic approach that extends beyond sales and marketing. This approach needs alignment among people, processes, and technologies. So if you're a business owner, operations, or finance leader looking to learn growth strategies from your peers and competitors, you're tuned into the right podcast. Welcome to the WBS Podcast, where scalable growth using business systems is our number one priority. Now... Here is your host, Sam Gupta. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the WBS Podcast. I am Sam Gupta, your host and principal consultant at Independent ERP and digital transformation consulting firm LFH IQ. There are many different apps out there in the e-commerce space. Some go by e-commerce operations platform, some call them multi-channel management platform. Some can do warehouse management and proof of delivery. Some even claim that how they are going to change the industry by replacing the bigger daddies of the enterprise software world, such as SAP, Oracle, Microsoft, Infor, and Apple. But most of these apps are present in the QuickBooks or Zero ecosystem, just because these businesses can't afford the full-blown ERP implementation or don't have the experience in running a larger organization or standardizing processes to grow fast the QuickBooks inflection. So where does FlowTrack fit in the architecture and which size of the businesses would be the right fit for this app? And how would they play along with the other apps in the QuickBooks and Shopify ecosystem? In today's episode, we invited a panel of cross-functional experts for a live interview on LinkedIn who brings significant expertise to discuss FlowTrack's capabilities. We discussed their strengths and weaknesses and where they might fit in the e-commerce architecture. Finally, we discussed their journey, the product strategy and roadmap, and their alignment with a few niche industries and ERP ecosystems. With that, let's get to the conversation. Hello, everyone. Welcome to today's show. And if you're joining for the first time, this is part of our e-commerce series for which we meet every Wednesday at 5.30 p.m. Eastern. We pick one vendor or the solution that we review independently and we always have an expert panel that is willing to share their insights and wisdom. So we are going to have a lot of fun discussing all of that. For today, we have a solution called FlowTrack, and that's a very e-commerce operations kind of solution. So we are going to review where their place is overall in the architecture compared to the other solutions that we have reviewed uh, recently. Before we do that, we are going to start with everybody's intro. I am going to start with my intro. If you don't know me, I am your host. Sam Gupta, I am principal at Elevate IQ. Elevate IQ is the independent ERP and digital transformation consulting firm. I have been leading ERP and digital transformation engagements for roughly 20 years, and e-commerce is always uh, you know, at the heart of it. On that note, I am going to move to Phil for his intro. Hi, everybody. Phil Kerper with Ringling Business Solutions. Uh, we help clients and senior executive uh, teams align their bi- digital transformation with their business processes. 
I come to you after several decades in the C-suite, implementing a lot of front-end and ERP back-end systems, and, and certainly a lot of systems similar to FlowTrack to, to really get the front-end of the business and the e-commerce business where it needs to be. So nice to be here, Sam. Appreciate it. Okay, amazing. Thank you so much for being here, Phil. Robert, can I ask you to introduce yourself next? Sure. I'm Robert Brown with um, RGB e-commerce consultancy. I've been in e-commerce for 20 years, focusing on helping small to medium-sized businesses um, be more profitable by looking at what the customer is doing using data. Thanks, Sam. Okay, amazing. Thank you so much for uh, being here, Robert. And uh, before we start with the presentation, if you're in the audience and joining for the first time, make sure you guys uh, post your questions and comments. We typically, our panelists are going to be looking at your comments uh, during the show, and we try to cover them during the show. And if we cannot get to, get to them during the show, then you will have your answers. So make sure you guys are going to make it interactive. And before we start with the, the slides, uh, you know, I'm going to give you a little brief overall about this solution. So obviously, as I was mentioning uh, in the beginning of the show, that there are a lot of different platforms and we have reviewed uh, these platforms recently. For example, let's say we talk about Cubana, WebGility, and uh, uh, I don't know if the other ones are going to be equally comparable. So FlowTrack is really sort of the inventory management solution. They are in the QuickBooks and Zero ecosystem, they integrate with some other ERP systems as well. But for the most part, these guys are either inventory or the warehouse solution. We reviewed in case of Scubana, they were trying to do a little bit more than just the inventory. In their case, they were also had PIM functionality. They also had a little bit of integration with a lot of different marketplaces. You know, they had a little bit of warehouse, if I remember correctly. And you guys correct me if I'm uh, off, Phil or Robert. In case of WebGility, they were slightly more into the operations. They were slightly more integrated with QuickBooks. Uh, but they also have a little bit of, um, you know, the marketplace functionality. So in case of, uh, in the case of FlowTrack, they are going to have one of the deepest inventory functionality that I have personally seen with all of these add-ons and one of the deepest warehouse management functionality as well. To be honest, they're really, really deep, the way they have described, the way they have described their integration. So compared to all of these solutions, this is probably going to be, have slightly deeper functionality overall in terms of the inventory management as well as the, the WMS capabilities. These guys are not trying to sort of be the PIM solution, even though they have a little bit of flavor there, Overall, in terms of the category, subcategory, that is really the inventory management for the e-commerce. But this seems like more of the slightly more, uh, you know, the super baby ERP <laughs> solution that has some flavors to, to ERP. And Phil, you are probably going to appreciate this one a, a little bit more. Now, overall, in terms of their presence and, and integration. So one of the challenges that I have found when I was doing research on this particular solution, they, if you go to their website, they, it's it's well done. Like it's it's one of the most descriptive website I have seen in the e-commerce space and the ERP space. They have really done a wonderful job in describing each of the features and how why businesses should be looking looking at any of the features. They have described uh, how integration is supposed to work. Now, so I am always interested in looking at these screens of the product. You know how the product is really designed and architected and where that is going to be natural fit in which industry and in the architecture. 
So I was trying to find any of the demo videos. I just could not find. Okay. So I could not find on the YouTube. Nobody else has posted, uh, you know, on YouTube either, not even the official channel and, and not from the customer or user community. Okay. Then I was looking at these screenshots. Okay. I could not find any screenshot whatsoever of the product. So in my experience, when I am not able to find either the demo or the screenshot, typically what that means from my experience is going to be either the product is not demoable or it is not ready. Otherwise, why would you not work a screenshot if you are going to be a very sassy startup? And most of the SaaS startups, the way they have their journey, I mean, product demo is, uh, even if they don't have the product, they can Photoshop and, <laughs> and put it there. So it shouldn't be very hard to put the screenshot. But for some reason, I could not find any screenshots. The only place where I could find some screenshot is going to be on the review side. I think there are only three or four. So that gives us some impression about where they are coming from, who they are, you know, and what is going to be the layout of the, the screens. But overall, the way they are trying to position themselves, uh, you know, it seems to be very well done from the marketing positioning perspective. Now we are going to review what is going to be their depth and what is going to be their place uh, overall in the architecture. Comments uh, on the briefing. Uh, did you guys find any other things that I may have missed, Robert? Hello? Well, uh, they, they, their published pricing is anywhere $100 per user per month or $200 per user per month. So they're they're charging good money. And uh, and and they're, they're focused. I know you get into this on some of these other slides, uh, you know, in warehouse, some asset management, and then I think it'll be interesting as the as the as the hour goes on to really compare to kind of where their lane is, Sam, and and where maybe they're getting a little outside their lane or really staying in what they obviously do well. Okay, amazing, Robert. So I I actually found uh, a quick demo of FlowTrack. It's on uh, Vimeo. Um, looking at it, pretty pretty nice UI, pretty modern. Um, the, it was from last year. So it's from them. So I haven't looked in deeply to figure out uh, how much more information they have out there. You know, it's, it's not an in-depth video, but it's, it's a nice quick overview of their product. Okay. Very interesting. <clears throat> okay. Thanks uh, for that. And if you have any other specific insights in terms of the demo, um, you know, what you found in terms of their strength, where they are going to be fit in the architecture, which industries are going to be the, the aligned with the demo, then obviously I'll appreciate that insight, Robert. Yeah, so you know they they fit with what you've said. You know they they don't seem to be overselling and trying to to fit in so many pieces like we've seen in some of the other tools that we've seen. That they seem to be talking specifically about you know we're going to manage their inventory and then we can get in deeper um, from in the slides later on in the presentation. Okay, amazing guys. So one of the things that I found fascinating, typically when you are looking at SaaS startup that is going to be in the QuickBooks of Zero ecosystem, you would guess that they are going to be there in the market for last four or five years. I mean, that's the trend that we have seen with the other companies that we have reviewed so far. They are either recently funded or they are the startups and that's why they are not as big as SAP. Because if you have been in the market for 30 years and if you are really good, my expectation is going to be that you are probably slightly bigger. Okay. So in their case, the company was founded in 1986. Can you believe this? So obviously, this is not a new company. This is a very, very old company. And now I don't know whether they pivoted or what they did, whether they were really the WMS or inventory solution when they started. Whatever happened, I don't have the history about this company, but seems like the company was founded in 1986. That's how it is presented. So I don't know why 
uh, you know, it has been there in the market for so long. Uh, but it, obviously, it's not as well known as some of the other either leading accounting or e-commerce uh, or the ERP solution. They are there, but they have been there in the market for a very long time. Okay. Then they are saying uh, software for inventory control in the warehouse was our first deliverable. So that's how they started. Okay, they started as inventory control in the warehouse. Uh, but then they moved on to the asset management. And I get a little confused there. Okay, so why are you going from inventory and warehouse to asset? That's a little bit of stretch. Okay, but the way I am seeing their journey, they were doing a lot of work in the not-for-profit space. Okay, in the not-for-profit space, if you are going to look at core ERP capabilities, they are probably not going to have the warehouse component as part of that because most of the not-for-profit don't really have very busy warehouse, okay? But sometimes they are going to have very small warehouse, okay? And they need inventory capability and they need a little bit of asset management. So it seems like that's how they started and that's how they penetrated. And we are going to review their alignment with some of the other ERP vendors where they are really aligned. So they moved on to asset management for some reason. Obviously, they are not going to be asset management for the mainstream manufacturing companies. They are not going to be asset management even for the distribution companies. They have a tiny, weeny component there for the asset management for some reason because they are trying to fill the holes for those, the ERP system that don't provide the warehouse management or the inventory management as part of their core capabilities. That's my hypothesis on this one. Um, you guys can provide me any other hypothesis that you found, but I'm more than uh, interested in, in, in discussing that. Um, I think you hit the one that I caught there, Sam, is that asset management was just kind of, you know, that not really what I expected as I, as I saw them, given, given what their roots are. They probably exactly. sold into that. You know how smaller companies get started. They had some clients that were doing it and they developed the functionality and then and then started promoting it. Exactly, exactly. So, you know, for me, so I completely agree with you. And then let's review some of the other functionality that they have. So we introduced a two-in-one solution that not only handled inventory control, but also asset management. Great. Uh, you know, they are not related, but sure, you did it. Uh, as the solution matured, the other uh, major releases included work-in process, proof of delivery, and crossover prevention. Now, if you actually look at work-in process, again, that's likely deeper into manufacturing. So if they were really the distribution solution, why are you getting into manufacturing? Not too sure. Okay. Then proof of delivery is a real e-commerce functionality. There's a real hole in most ERP communities. They cannot really support proof of delivery out of the box. So now that's a great marriage right there that you can probably act as the WMS. You can act as the proof of delivery. And that's going to complement a lot of the print ERP ecosystem. And, you know, that's a great match right there. Um, so I like the way they have done the warehouse, the inventory, and the proof of delivery, and then maybe try to be a little bit of e-commerce. But then when I see other things, I get confused. Crossover prevention, sure. What else did I notice? Now, if you actually look at their integration, they have very interesting integration strategy. So my assumption when I look at this solution, my assumption is going to be they are going to be in that QuickBooks zero play where companies are less than $5 million in revenue. Uh, you know, that's where you are going to have millions and millions of companies uh, that cannot afford to have the, the real ERP implementation. That's why they are going for these apps uh, so that they can grow and then be ready for the actual systems 
So my assumption is going to be, okay, they integrate with QuickBooks. Great. Shopify, wonderful. Love it. Okay. And then they integrate with Zero. Absolutely love it. Okay. But then they are also integrating with SysPro as well as Uranite. Okay. Now, SysPro is very confusing for me because SysPro is a very sophisticated ERP system, even though it's a very ERP. Okay. It's a very small size ERP, but it has everything that FlowTrack is trying to do. So again, why are they integrating with SysPro? Maybe they are integrating because SysPro may not have proof of delivery. It may not have some of the warehouse features. So that's why they are trying to provide the SASE uh, warehouse capabilities. That could be one of the reasons why they might be there. Now, Uninet is very, very, very interesting. I don't think we have seen anybody integrating with Uninet. And Phil, I don't think we have ever reviewed the Uninet solution as part of our ERP reviews. Uninet, so. yeah, Uninet is a very, very, very interesting vendor. Uh, you know, it's very cloud native looking, uh, you know, app, to be honest. Okay, they are positioned in the uh, architectural and AE firm. So it's a very big solution from the ERP perspective, uh, even though they are not considered as the mainstream ERP vendor. But if you go to the construction um, architectural space, you will find heavy presence by them. Okay, now they are integrating with Uranet. By the way, we are going to review in the others like they are Uranet partner. So maybe they are one of the wars for Uninet, okay? And they are trying to sell the warehouse capabilities because Uninet is not going to have warehouse capabilities because you are trying to target those not-for-profit. You are trying to target the your architectural and engineering firms. Sometimes they are going to have very small warehouse. So that's where the capabilities are required, which Uninet might not have. So that's where I, I can see some sort of correlation. That's where they are coming from. I don't know if you guys uh, saw anything else. You know, I was just thinking about what you were saying and wondering why they're integrating with SysPro. And we've talked about this with, with a couple of the other folks that we reviewed. I think that has to do with the growth of the company and how much pain they're willing to endure for a transformation to another product. So if you read through all the documentation for Flowtrack, they talk about all the customization that they'll do, period. And so if you think about a warehouse and some special procedures they may have and all the money and time that they spent on training those people, maybe they just made the determination, you know what, it's simpler and faster for us to keep FlowTrack in place for the warehouse and the processes that we have in place. And then we'll just connect into, you know, SysPro or something else for all the other stuff. That just a thought. But if, you, if you're coming at this cold, I certainly wouldn't get both. Exactly. And my take on this is going to be when you are having integration as thick as your warehouse, as well as e-commerce. Those are very thick integration. They do, those are not easy integration, okay? Easy integration is going to be where you are simply hooking up a BI tool. You are simply reading the information, no big deal. Anybody can do that, okay? But when you have very transactional integration, where both of these systems are performing, um, you know, the transaction, and sometimes there could be a bi-directional communication based on the order flow and order changes, that makes the integration very complex in general, and that is going to be very expensive. And if you are in that space of $5 million uh, where you cannot really afford an ERP system, and the only reason why you are not going for mainstream ERP system is because you are trying to save money. But then why would you spend on the integration? So again, you know, I have a little problem there overall. Uh, you know, when you are talking about this, this thick integration for these smaller vendors, I would rather, you know, use uh, the mainstream ERP system and the implementation than doing something like this. But I can see the point. A lot of companies 
like to use the simplified app but again you are going to be wasting a lot of money in the integration and integration may never work it's it's not as easy uh, when you are integrating two transactional app and transactionally involved app when one system is going to hijack the transaction and then it has to sort of update the information erp to wms integration is very common in general but yeah it's it's hard it's not that easy yeah i think though robert hit an interesting point there sam that if you already have a highly customized flow track platform that you're using and then you're adding an erp next cispro or whatever it is i i can see not wanting to have to recreate all the things that you spent years doing in in the in the flow track system and just go with a more basic erp implementation and try to integrate the two if they came in that order if it comes in the other order to your point it makes less sense right so the only problem that i typically see with that strategy phil is going to be you are going to inherit a lot of legacy processes because your processes were never aligned with the way you know the erp processes are supposed to be so now because of that you are going to be over engineering your erp system as well so you are actually going to be paying double so you paid first to customize your flow track now you are try- trying to customize your cispro so you were trying to be cost efficient but you will uh, end up being more expensive i guess that's always my challenge when i look at these implementations and it's, a, right. it's a great point and how many how many clients do you walk in and look at that they've got six of these things <laughs> all exactly. trying to connect together right you exactly. know they just keep kind of piling them on it's it's kind of like how plants used to get built where you build an extension and then you build the next thing you know you got this plant that's different <laughs> levels and all over the place there, there's a lot of there's a lot of customers out there that look like that right guys look i've got an acetylene torch in in the garage and i've got a lot of duct tape i can i can hack anything out of this right you know <laughs> i think really what it comes down to is when you get to an organization because they talk about customization and working with your IT departments right so that means that you're going to have a, a fairly substantial organization most, most of these small guys can't afford to have their own IT departments right they're going to outsource it they're going to they're going to get a development firm come in and do a one time gig and they're going to walk away and then that company's going to be left there so when we're talking about a large organization they're going to have different departments i think it then comes down to politics what is the head of that department really willing to put up with and what is his what is his budget going to sustain and does he really want to deal with his entire workforce rebelling about being forced to learn something else exactly guys um any other comments okay so i'm actually going to move on so here uh, you know they are saying flow track allows you to set up min and max quantities for each product you create and again i have not seen this a uh, particular functionality at least i don't remember that whether we have seen that in iskubana zentel or agility i just don't remember uh, even though they were claiming as the uh, operations platform as well but they probably didn't have that you can have uh, you know different min and maxes for each of the warehouse that you have defined for an erp that's a baby functionality but you know for the baby you know inventory management software that's a big deal So again it's it's big one when you are in that quickbooks ecosystem. Now if you look at the industries that they are trying to target and this is where the real play is to be honest. If you look at uh, you know things like city, county, state, defense, intelligence uh, industries, government contractors, civilian industries, right? Educational institution, K-12, college, uh, private or public. Now these are not your traditional warehouse inventory industry but they are going to have very small warehouse where they probably require something and that this is where 
uh, your solutions like Unanet, Unit4, uh, you know, Deltek, they are going to be very heavily present, but they are probably not going to have as strong inventory. So that's where these guys are trying to sort of find their spot, which is fair because, you know, they, these solutions are never going to have the inventory functionality. They are really designed for the public sector space. And you are going to require the tiny, bitty, uh, you know, warehouse and inventory functionality. So that's the right fit for this solution. That it would not be a right fit when you have a very busy warehouse from the food and beverage and FMCG perspective. You know, that's probably not their play unless you are more of the under $5 million uh, revenue and just a common shop. Here, I would bet that for like the educational institutions, they're not using the warehouse functionality, they're using the asset tracking. They must be using both. Uh, you know, they do have a little bit of warehouse. So let's say, for example, let's say if you look at hospitals, okay, hospitals do have inventory in the warehouse. They are not mainstream warehouse system because they require very different integration. It's a different world uh, altogether, okay? So in there, let's say if you are going to position your info or <laughs> they will not like it because that's going to be very heavy in manufacturing. Even if you position Microsoft, probably they are not going to like because it's going to be really busy from the inventory uh, perspective, from the warehousing perspective. And yes, you are right, the asset management itself. If you look at the asset management from, let's say companies like Infor, it's just going to feel very bloated, okay? These companies don't require as busy asset management and that's why they are liking this one. But let's say if you are a very busy oil well, or if you are a very busy solar company, or if you are a very strong manufacturing organization, you will not like the asset management that is provided uh, you know, as part of the solution. So they are saying industrial, commercial enterprises, order truck, there are other ones, but I think their main market is really that not-for-profit, the government space, the public sector space, and the smaller warehouse and inventory that is going to be in that QuickBooks and, and, and Zero space. Okay, so Robert, I did find some screenshots and I don't know if you could find more in that video because I have personally not reviewed the video, but you're right, the screenshots look decent, okay? It does look slightly prettier, but I would like you guys to pay attention, okay? The way these screens are laid out, this is your legacy platform, okay? Uh, they are simply trying to do lift and shift because you know, it's not designed, even though the menu, the way they are structured, they appear as if this is a very cloud native architecture, but the screen size is very small, okay? This is very common in the .NET space. This is how they, they sort of, uh, you know, uh, enable their screens when you are gonna have legacy screens. They are simply trying to sort of create a fancy big screen and, uh, you know, the newer screens are simply getting ported from there. Uh, I have seen this case in every single legacy solution. Uh, typically, when you are going to have native architecture, you are going to have multiple tabs. You should be able to open multiple tabs. Here, you are going to have all of your tabs and screens as part of the same screen. This is a very uh, you know traditional sort of the left and shift architecture with a little bit of uh, you know re-architecture so that your screens can play in the new architecture as opposed to having a cloud native architecture the way Salesforce is going to have or Acumatica is going to have, or NetSuite is going to have. That's a very different architecture. For that matter, even Business Central. QuickBooks, those are all very cloud-native applications. So here, I noticed some other things. For example, category, subcategory. Now, that's a very commerce-centric functionality. You might not find that in the inventory systems, and some companies are going to like that because they are trying to think that I can get my e-commerce and inventory as part of the same solution. In my head, I always struggle sort of to understand when you are going to have three or four different applications 
doing different things. Okay, who is going to do what and where are going to be your transactional boundaries? Uh, sometimes that could be very hard to sort of pass together. But seems like if you are a small inventory shop, you are going to get a lot more inventory functionality that I have personally seen in any of the other solutions in the QuickBooks or Zero uh, ecosystem that we have reviewed so far. Now, if you pay attention to things like you have the availability, uh, you have the quantity, you can export in the spreadsheet as well. Now, you know, for a smaller system, that sometimes is a very heavy functionality. Systems don't provide that, but they are able to do that. And most likely they are able to do that because they came from the legacy world. In the legacy applications, you had the Excel interfacing. In the modern SaaS world, you don't see as much Excel interfacing these days just because they just don't, that's not, um, uh, you know, a priority for them. Now, uh, if you look at their, you know, they have the list price, they have a little bit of cost, they have the set price, and they have the weight. Again, it's very limited overall from the functionality perspective. Uh, if you are even the smaller shop, if you are going to be doing the costing, you are going to have multiple layers of the costing. Your costing is not going to be as simple as this one feet. Even if you are simply tracking, let's say, your landed cost and the true cost of your product, it's not going to be just the data entry for your cost. It's going to be slightly different than that. But if you are small, you are probably going to be manually computing that and entering that as a cost to compute your profit margin. But again, as part of this application, you are probably not going to have the financial statements. So then you need to send to your other application to compute the financial statements. Maybe you are trying to figure out some you know, margins here. Uh, that's why you need the cost. Uh, but again, it's not going to be as detailed as you are going to find even in some of the baby ERP systems. But they at least have that. I mean, in the other solutions that we have seen, they didn't even have that. Now we have the activity unit of measure is very tricky. Unit of measure is listed as a separate tab. So I don't know because, you know, typically if you're looking at unit of measure, if you're looking at slightly bigger ERP systems or uh, e-commerce systems, they are going to have unit of measure right on the screen. Uh, you are going to have two or three, three different type of unit of measure, depending upon the transaction, depending upon the document. But in their case, they are highlighting it as separate. So it seems like at least they can support unit of measure, which is a big deal, uh, <laughs> you know, for a system of this size. Uh, and then they have the, the warehouses as well. And then they have the pick account, the receive accounts. That gets a little confusing in my eyes. To be honest, Phil, you might have some comments there. <laughs> but I find it a little confusing. Yeah, the, the part, part of the reason it looks confusing to me too, Sam, is just the way it's laid out. Yeah. You know, it just has buttons on the side there. So I'd have to go push some of those and see where it takes me and, and see what functionality they're trying to add. Because it, it, it's, it's that screen on the right just is laid out differently in my eye. I agree. Okay, if you guys don't have... Okay, so this is the main screen. And Robert, again, uh, you know, if you have seen more in the demo because I could not find. So these are different screens uh, or the menu structure that you have. The menu structure itself looks very cloud native. Okay, if you actually pay attention because this is how your cloud native apps are going to be. The screens may not be cloud native, but the menu structure is probably going to be cloud native and they have done it really well. So here you have the contacts, the file, registry, the accounts, the inventory, audits, and audit is probably going to be the cycle counting field. Uh, you know, if you're thinking, okay, what the hell is audit here? <laughs> so they are calling it, it and, and this is another problem that I have with these smaller applications. They try to rename things from the core business practices 
where seasoned executives are going to be familiar with these processes because they have been doing business for a long time. Now, if you are going to call that audit, sometimes that could be very confusing because these guys are not going to be familiar with what what's an audit here. So again, if you are going out of your out of the league or out from the industry, make sure you are really big and have the impact on the industry to be able to drive those changes. Otherwise, it's better to just stick to the terms that everybody speaks. Um, so then they have the pick, which is amazing. Receive, RMAs, service, work, time clock. Uh, and time clock, I got a little confused there. Why do you have time clock? Many of our inventory solution, but they have time clock for the asset management functionality. They are trying to check in and check out uh, the assets when whoever is going to be using. And they have a decent scheduling capabilities as well for the asset uh, because that's what is going to be required with these government institutions, uh, the not-for-profit, you know, hospitals, they do use assets based on a schedule and those companies are probably going to require that functionality. So that's why they probably have that, okay? This is the schedule that I was talking about. And uh, this is going to be your badge, the pin, the check-in, the checkout. You know, then you have the product, then lot, and then bin. Uh, and then you have on hand and the available and the quantity. And then you have something called post. And I don't know what post means, to be honest. Is it posting to a, an accounting system? Uh, I really don't know what, uh, you know, they are trying to do when they say post. Uh, you know, they can do checkout, but I don't know. I mean, sometimes that could be confusing because if you are posting this back to your accounting system, then accounting system is not going to understand the the assets, because assets are actually residing inside your inventory system in this particular case, which is probably going to be flow track. So I don't know what's going on here. Maybe they are posting to their own ledger and then sending some information to the accounting system, but it's not clear from these screens where they would be posting that. Yeah, or is that just the term? And again, their terms are sometimes confusing, Sam, but is that just post to complete a transaction, which is also another way that post is used in, in some of these systems? You're yeah, posting it. I mean, you're, you're literally you're posting it to the GL, but you're also saying now I've completed the transaction. I've posted exactly. And again, you know, if you look at this more from the accounting perspective, post would mean that you are posting to some sort of ledger. But let's say if you are looking at this more from the e-commerce perspective, they would typically call submit because that's what laymen understand. You know, they don't call post; <laughs> they call submit. Uh, you know, something. If I am looking at this as more of the web app, so depending upon how you want to position yourself. So I don't know if this is really a web app or is it the accounting system? I don't know what that is, but yeah, that would be my concern. <laughs> okay, so if you look at their mobile functionality, by the way, guys, mobile functionality is one of the best. Uh, you know, if you look at their screens, oh my goodness, this is super. I mean, see, I think, uh, Phil, and I don't know if you remember this or not, I think we saw this neat warehouse mobile functionality, I believe in case of Rootstock. They had really, really neat, um, you know, warehouse interface. And I believe Acumatica probably, they had really, really neat. So now when you look at this functionality, this is really designed for WMS. It looks as if it's really clean. So maybe they were WMS to begin with. They extended to other feature sets because the customers were really requesting, but they are really a WMS platform for the QuickBooks and Zero ecosystem. If they are, they are probably an amazing WMS. So here they are saying inventory management, warehousing, manufacturing, that's probably a stretch. Okay, you are not manufacturing. Okay, you have a bunch of bombs. Okay, we are going to review that. Web 
Scratch, maybe you are doing web because you need to track web as part of your uh, you know, WMS application. But as such, you are not really an ERP system. You are just the WMS system is what you should be calling yourself. Now, asset tracking is slightly outlier, in my opinion, but they are probably doing asset tracking because you would probably require that as part of your mobile capabilities because if you have a lot of assets that you need to track using mobile, probably you need that. So I am really impressed with their mobile capabilities overall, and maybe that's who they are. Um, you know, the web interface is not really, it's it's really designed to support the core mobile capabilities, but, you know, and they are trying to position themselves as the inventory management system, and they should be positioning themselves as, as the WMS system, which is what they, they, they seem to be. Looking through their documentation, it looked like that they, they had three options, which is really nice. So they, they had the mobile phone option for scanning. They had the, the separate scanners, and they had RFID. The RFID is a really nice add-on. I agree. I agree. And not a lot of systems are going to have that capability. So RFID is definitely a neat feature that you are not going to find in the other systems. And again, I think that's probably the reason why they are really strong in their WMS capabilities with the RFID add-ons if you're trying to pack all of them. And and looking at that app, particularly in what you guys just talked about, a lot of uh, warehouses will do value add. So real light manufacturing, you know, kidding, assembly, things like that, that they may have just some very high level uh, light manufacturing and whip processes just to build around things that a warehouse might do without really being discrete or deeper manufacturing functionality. Yeah. And uh, Phil, in terms of the system boundaries, so let's say if you are a real WMS add-on or WMS system, typically the way the way the boundary starts for the WMS system is going to be when you are going to cut your shipment in your in your ERP system and you are going to get some sort of pick order. WMS typically receives the pick order and then it carries over the transaction. And once it is shipped, then you are probably going to send back the tracking number, you know, maybe a, a little bit of costing. So that's how that interaction works. But now if you are trying to be inventory system as well, now you are definitely extending your boundaries because what is going to happen is now you need to have your FIFO, the LIFO, that you are not going to find in this system. So they are definitely extending their boundaries overall, uh, you know, uh, in trying to act as the inventory system, because now you become sort of the my SQ owner that I am defining my kits inside my inventory management system. And they are not going to have, obviously, as deep capabilities to be able to define all of that, uh, you know, but that may be okay for a hospital or for the not-for-profit or for a school because they are not going to be as busy overall in their inventory functionality. So I think that's where their sweet spot is. So their sweet spot is going to be in those public sector uh, you know, organizations that are not core inventory in the warehouse shop or a very small uh, you know, inventory uh, or the warehouse shop, which is going to be less than $5 million in the QuickBooks and Zero ecosystem. Okay, uh, guys, so uh, some more comments here. Uh, it says packaging provides a way for you to combine. And by the way, uh, you know, this is the, and uh, Robert, I don't know whether you were present in the Business Central review that we did recently. So Business Central is the only ERP system where we could find that package tracking. And they seem to have package tracking as well. So now package tracking is typically going to be common in your FMCG space. It is going to be common in uh, in the verticals where you have some sort of traceability that requires as part of uh, packaging, even the mainstream ERP systems, they don't really support package tracking, to be honest, okay? So they are going to have just the lot number and serial number. They don't have additional layer to support the package tracking, but these guys seem to have that. 
So in my mind, again, this is a very warehouse-centric functionality. And Phil, we concluded that Business Central was very deep into distribution and the warehouse functionality. So maybe this functionality belongs to warehouse. And that's probably the reason why these guys have that. So here they are saying you might build a package as pallet skid box, okay, by picking several products. I think there is a little overlap uh, of the package tracking functionality with how license plate numbers work. And Phil, I would like to, uh, I don't know if you have familiarity with the license plate number, uh, you know, functionality, but typically <laughs> the package tracking functionality that we are describing, that is typically the license plate number functionality, in my opinion, unless you have seen any other differences. Yeah, they're they're not saying license plates, but they're they're giving you a p several pieces of what would normally be license plate functionality. So, but they're not really talking directly about it. So, I, that this one's a little confusing. I'm skeptical on this one. In really good way, license plate functionality is not is not a light lift. That that takes some really good functionality. Exactly. And one of the users actually have mentioned in their review, they are comparing it with because users are going to perceive the way they are going to perceive and they are going to use the way they are going to use. So a user has reported that this is the probably the license plate functionality. And that's how they are using it, to be honest. <laughs> OK, so that's where I found it interesting correlation that, OK, now packaging ID is actually your license plate. Uh, it's very interesting the way it is being used. Okay, so they have the barcode label may then be printed uh, for the number of that package. Uh, now a simple scan can track the package through all the stages needed. Picking, receiving, counting, repackaging. Again, that's very warehouse in my head. So still they are staying in their lane. They are really sticking to that warehouse functionality. Now, if you look at the product information, the, the kind of you know fields, uh, they can support. So they have active and active, track by quantity, lot, serial, product code, barcode, cross-reference, long description is very interesting. That's very e-commerce um, you know, field. You are not going to find that in the ERP world. So they have a little bit of e-commerce flavor as well. Then you have the stock, non-stock, and owned. Now, owned is very tricky. I don't know what owned means, to be honest, at least in the context of inventory. So they have mixed the inventory and the asset management. Typically, in the... Uh, you know, the way ERP systems typically work is they are going to have a separate inventory for your asset. They don't typically mix you with your product inventory because it's a completely different, um, you know, inventory. You are going to have five different types of inventory. But in their case, they are use, reutilizing the same inventory for the asset as well as for the product. And that's probably the reason why they have the stock, non-stock and owned. Then you have the account owned by, order build both. You know, you have some very interesting mix there, category. Category one, subcategory one, category two, subcategory two. And that's very e-commerce in my mind. You have unlimited notes. You have default suppliers. I have no idea what interchanges means. Maybe somebody can coach me here. Robert or, or Phil, if you guys have seen. I'd be guessing. <laughs> well, I have no idea. I'm sorry. What I was looking at is the header for the section that we're on right now. It talks about um, directed put away, which I thought seems to be a pretty standard functionality, but what I didn't see called out here was a bin system. But when I looked back at their product page on slide five, it does list bin. So that, that's kind of important from an e-commerce perspective so you can keep track of where your inventory is. Right, and Robert, I think you are raising a very good point there. So when you look at the directed put away, that is typically the advanced functionality. That's not a live functionality. Okay, typically that is found in decent size uh, WMS system. So if they are able to do bins, they are able to do directed put away. So that's where, again, in my mind, their lane is that WMS. 
Okay, that's who they are. <laughs> and that's where they are really strong. So when you look at directed product, that's a very advanced functionality. When you look at things like, even though they are not calling it as license plate number, <laughs> they are calling it something else, but seems like they have all of that. Okay, so again, they are very strong in the WMS side of the house. They are trying to extend themselves to the other places, but their sweet spot, their strength is really to be WMS. And that's probably the reason why they are trying to integrate with all of those ERP systems, because maybe, I don't know, Cispro, if Cispro offers the WMS add-on out of the box, um, you know, you are not going to find that as part of SAP. SAP does not provide WMS out of the box. You have to find an add-on. So maybe they are really the WMS add-on, um, you know, on top of Cispro. Okay, some more uh, slides. So this is the one that you were uh, really referring to. So you have the directed put-away, but you also have the directed thinking, um, you know, as part of the functionality, which is, again, very, very, very deep. WMS functionality. So they have described it really well, the way the interaction should work. So they, they are saying a pick order may be manually entered, imported, or created through a seamless integration with your ERP or accounting system or e-commerce site, which is right as well. Pick orders can even be rolled up into a batch to enable multiple order picking at the same time, often referred to as way picking. Again, if you look at slightly more sophisticated uh, WMS system, they are going to have many different strategies. Even systems like Acumatica is probably going to have batch and wave. Even though they are saying batch and wave are same, they are not same. They are different strategies. So you are going to have many different strategies uh, that you can use to pick. But again, uh, a system of the size is able to offer that. Uh, kudos to them that they have really strong uh, WMS functionality that I personally not have seen in any other system that we have reviewed so far. Yeah, and, and releasing in waves is is really important functionality, and like yeah. you say, surprising for what I expected out of out of this out of this packet. Exactly, exactly. Now, some other functionality such as you have the insurance policy, the warranty policy, the components. That is all. Again, I think things are being a little mixed up here, to be honest, because they are doing a lot of asset management as well. But again, I think for those businesses, the asset management may be critical. But for a business that is just the inventory warehouse distribution business, they might not care as much for the asset functionality, but they are able to provide both, which is okay, I guess. What else did I notice here? But they have very deep asset management functionality as well. Now, here is the interesting part. So here they are trying to read that, you know, flow tracks work in process package is deployed in small fabrication shops as well as large manufacturing plants. Now I'm gonna have to call them out on this one, okay? So you are not really designed for large manufacturing plants. Your place is a small distribution shops, probably public sector, large manufacturing plants is a stretch for you, okay? Whether you are performing assembly, packaging, multi-step production, I know you can do it all, but that's not your play. Your play is really WMS and inventory, stay there. Then they are trying to say barcode scanners may be attached to workstations or mobile for walk around scanning. RFID readers can also be mobile, but most are fixed readers at entry exit points to simply track movement in out of those work centers, which is just mind blowing. A system of this size is able to do a lot, okay? From the WMS perspective, which is just phenomenal. Okay, I just love it. But the other things that they are trying to claim, they are simply trying to extend themselves. Now, they can also support multi-level of bombs, I'm, I'm not too sure there, okay? So if you are simply trying to pick as part of your manufacturing process in between the operation, I'll be a little confused why you are there. But again, if you are supporting a very small manufacturing shop, 
it may be okay, but yeah, I don't see this working for even, let's say, $10 million manufacturing shop. Work orders can be created for finished goods as well, uh, and all the bomb items are automatically created. Here they are saying bill of processes. They have routing as well. The final list of processes that are required, uh, labor or work centers. Again, they have that, but I don't know how this is going to work for a manufacturing organization. I'll be confused. They were doing really good till they got to this slide, Sam. Right. They were in their lane. They knew who they were. They were playing to their strengths. I am extremely skeptical about scalability, (laughs) multi-level bills, labor work center management. I mean, show me. (laughs) All right. Exactly. So, guys, I just found uh, a site called Enlift, who does a review of of FlowTrack. Okay. FlowTrack has 28 customers. Um, Who uses FlowTrack? Shift.com, and then they list four hospitals. They say that the average customer has between 1,000 and 5,000 employees and does between 10 and $50 million in revenue. So those two numbers don't match. Exactly, right? (laughs) No, they're not. Not, they, not they, if you're going to make any money or you're going to pay <laughs> 10 cents on a dollar. On an hour. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. But so, but Phil, I, I think there is a catch there. There may be a possibility that, that that may be true, okay? For, let's say, if you are a very strong not-for-profit where you just don't have any revenue, I guess. Or maybe a city where you don't have any revenue. But even the I guess, donations and the the grants are going to be quantified as, as revenue, if I my understanding is right. Yeah, your not for profit point is good, but if you're if you're if you're in business to make money and you got twenty-five to fifty million dollars in revenue and you got a thousand people standing around, someone someone's gotta math that out for me. So well so so here's here's the deal, right? So when you think about hospital, hospital's gonna have different sectors and, and not the entire hospital may not use the system. They may actually be using it for one section of the hospital. So there's another section on this page, and I shared the link internally on our internal chat. Um, it says six customers are um, hospital and healthcare, four are higher education, two are civic yep. social organizations, two are yep. printing, two are transportation trucking, one is information technology, one warehouse, one machining, one retail, and one renewable energy. Guys, 28 in 30 years? What are you talking about? I, they have been in the business since 1986. I <laughs> I have no idea how much revenue they're generating from those 28 customers, but I can't imagine that this this is uh, this is definitely not on the size of say Netsuite in terms of number of people, right, and number of customers. Yeah. So just to be clear, I mean, whatever solutions that we have reviewed as part of our e-commerce the series, I don't think anybody any of them are comparable to either Netsuite or Acumatica. Those are much larger system. Yeah. But you know, my expectation would be that if you are a small SaaS startup then number of customers are going to be higher. You will be able to target smaller customers because you have millions and millions of customers. Uh, okay, in that space, let's say if you look at under $5 million, you just have, I don't know what is the count, Phil, maybe 10, 20 easily right here in North America, in that range. Oh, huge, huge numbers in that. Yeah. And and But they they if they don't have thousands of customers, then their revenue stream is less than $5 million. I mean, just say if they're 100, 200 bucks a user, and maybe all those, all those, People in that in that um, on your examples, maybe they maybe that's not the right twenty five to fifty million dollar number. Maybe they have maybe they're they're a little off on that. But yeah. they, 
there's there's something there there's a couple things about this that I mean they, there's some things that are really great and there's a couple things that don't quite add up but I'll I'll save that for the end. So okay. one one thing one thing that I find here and I think this backs up everything that you've been saying Sam in terms of you know where they really belong. Um, one of the reports on this site in Lyft it says. Flow tracks market share is just 0.13%. Okay. Do you want to break that down? Warehouse management. 0.13% so what? Market share of the inventory and warehouse management software right. space. Right. So right. Lowry Solutions apparently has 30%. SAP has 16%. High Jump has 4%. Interesting. That would be, and again, I think we need to look at that data closely. I don't want to, uh, you know, overclaim ourselves here. Uh, I don't know where that data is coming from, whether the source is reliable or not. But seems like based on what we have seen so far, that would be my estimation as well, because they are not the mainstream WMS provider. They are the WMS provider for these industries where you don't have the, the mainstream WMS provider playing. And that is going to be your not-for-profit. That's going to be your hospitals. Uh, that's going to be your some of the trucking and transportation because you know for them the scheduling and dispatch and the trucking management fleet that's where their sweet spot is going to be. They don't do as much warehousing, so that's why they could be a decent fit for them as well. Okay, so I am going to cover some more uh, you know points here, and then we can open up for the discussion. So here, standard work in uh, process information again. I think this is all manufacturing, even though they have a lot, lot of that, but I don't see it as the manufacturing solution. You know, this should not be utilized in the manufacturing environment. It's really the WMS and inventory for these smaller shops. And they are saying when the, and the, uh, the POD functionality is, is really good uh, because that's where they can play along with the other systems because the other systems are not going to have that. So I, I like the POD functionality a lot. Slow track. That's pretty much it. So now I am actually going to open up for the commentary. So good good presentation tonight. I, I think that once again, we find these guys outside their lane instead of being in their lane where they're really good. And it's it, it, it the, the app and the functionality and the history reads like warehouse management. And even the site that the public site that Robert found, they rated them as warehouse yeah. management solutions. So that's that's where they live. It, but there, I thought coming into this, Sam, and I'd be interested in your comment on this. I saw these guys as uh, warehouse management tied to e-commerce front end. You know that kind of those two things going together. And maybe yeah. I'm wrong about that because if you look at their customer list, yeah, those are not really e-commerce centric customer lists. So it, I don't. That's not the way I'm leaving this review. I'm leaving this review saying. They may be niche in the e-commerce space, but where they're really living is in people with relatively light warehouse management needs that that, that want a highly customizable product. I, I would agree with that. I don't see anything in here that talks about volume. You know, if, if I'm if I'm a heavy seller and I'm putting out, you know, a thousand, two thousand orders a day, I don't know if I would trust them. I agree. And Phil, just to your comment about this whole e-commerce, uh, you know, functionality, I don't know whether you remember uh, our discussion from NetSuite and NetSuite has one industry called campus stores uh, identified yep. as part of their menu, right? So campus store is probably the right fit for them. And that's where I think they are going to find much larger customers because they are not going to be as involved from the order volume perspective because they are trying to sell college mer merchandise. That's not their bread and butter. So for them, this could be, and that's why their average customer size may be larger, to be honest, just because they don't have 
as big volume and they might be able to play in that larger space. And that's why they cannot find probably any other solutions. I saw one of the comment with, with a review, they integrate with the medical billing software. Now integrate hmm. your, uh, you know, your high jump to your medical billing. They probably would not take that customer because, you know, they are like, okay, <laughs> I, don't, I don't care for this. So that's where these guys are trying to play where the mainstream players are not going to be involved. You know, the interesting things you say about integrate is they talk a lot about custom integrations. They have their own development team that will do whatever you want them to do as long as you got the money to quote integrate. So I don't think we're talking about just a standard API where we've got, you know, consistent, easy to understand data flowing back and forth. I mean, I think there's a lot of customized customization that's going on in here. One of the things that I did notice about them um, in my own research is they do not track velocity for inventory. And that is necessary for yeah, you know, higher one. volume. That's a big one. You won't survive standing up e-commerce without knowing that. Right. And 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 it's interesting. I was going to mention you reminded me, Robert, is they, they don't have an SI community. So so you're uh, you're dealing with that you're dealing with their integrators and their and their uh, code writers, you know, uh, in order to put this thing together, which we've been discussing a lot of these, Sam. There there's a lot of risk around that. So yeah. Phil, on that point, I don't think we could get to a slide, and we have a screenshot of where you know their programming mm -hmm. language is the programming language that they are trying to use. I think it's called IT Script. And IT script, the, you know, nobody knows that programming language anymore, to be honest. Okay, a user had reported and then I did a little research. Okay, where that is, who owns that right now? It is owned by some uh, Sage bar and they have their own warehouse solution. And right now on their site, it says that the support is completely pulled off. They are not supporting it. Yeah, it so says it's not supported. <laughs> I read that, Sam, on that slide. <laughs> Yeah, so so there there that's a really good one to bring up before before we close. That's big risk. That's that's big risk right there. Yeah, I know. I mean, if I'm talking to a SaaS player and if I'm buying something very sassy, I would probably expect them to be hosted on Microsoft Azure, AWS, you know, technology. I would not uh, expect this, you know, from 1986. That's just a stretch for me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. So that's a wrap. And just uh, in conclusion, if you are going to be in that not-for-profit government space and you are not going to be high-volume e-commerce and you simply need a warehouse add-on because your mainstream ERP players cannot provide that, then this is probably going to be a fit. This is not a fit for either manufacturing organizations or high volume e-commerce. It's not really designed for that. On that note, uh, you know, that's it for today. Uh, if you joined for the first time, this was part of our e-commerce series for which we meet every Wednesday at 5.30 p.m. Eastern. We pick one vendor or the solution that we review independently. So we are going to be here next week with another vendor or the solution. So make sure you are not going to miss that. On that note, thanks, everyone, for your time and insights tonight. Thanks, everybody. Thank our guests enough for coming on the show, for sharing their knowledge and journey. I always pick up learnings from our guests, and hopefully you learned something new today. If you want to learn more about Phil Kerper, head over to ringlingbusinesssolutions.com. It's R-I-N-G-L-I-N-G-B-U-S-I-N-E-S-S-S-O-L-U-T-I-O-N-S.com. If you want to learn more about Robert Brown, head over to rgbecommerce.com. It's R-G-B-E-C-O-M-M-E-R-C-E.com. Links and more information will also be available in the show notes. If anything in this podcast resonated with you and your business, you might want to check other related episodes, including the interview with Phil Kramer, who shares his insights into integrated supply chain planning and why companies need to have an integrated strategy for their supply chain. Also, the interview with Chuck Coxhead from ProSensus, who discusses warehouse mobility trends 
in the enterprise and SMB markets. Also, don't forget to subscribe to Spread the Word among folks with similar backgrounds. If you have any questions or comments about the show, please review and rate us on your favorite podcasting platform or DM me on any social channels. I'll try my best to respond personally and make sure you get help. Thank you, and I hope to catch you on the next episode of the WBS. Thank you for listening to another episode of the WBS Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform so you never miss an episode. For more information on growth strategies for SMBs using ERP and digital transformation, check out our community at wbs.rocks. We'll see you next time.